0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode four. I'm James Evers. I'm Justin. And I'm Seth Tardiff. And today on the show, we got our first guest, Josh Cotier. All right, uh, big
1: thanks to Josh for coming on the show. He is a tournament bass fisherman competing on the state, regional, and national level. He's also a three-time consecutive national qualifying bass fisherman with the Mass Bass Team.
0: Hope you guys enjoy the show. Yes, enjoy it.
1: Right on.
2: So we just cracked a beer. This Thirst for Knowledge podcast. Uh, what are we drinking? What's what's today? What are we featuring? Resilient by Sierra Nevada, and it
0: is the Brute County Proud IPA. So um, it's
1: Resilience by Resilience. Sierra Nevada. What did <laughs> I say? <you mean>? Resilient. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I think it's Butt, right? Is it
0: Butt? I, I Butt County.
1: Yeah. I hope it is Butt I, County. I think it's Butt County. But um, so it was a beer that they brewed to support those impacted by the campfire. So that, I just found out this the other day, but so those big fires that were happening in California, the name of the fire was actually campfire. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I didn't
2: realize. What, like a hurricane? Like they name a, hurricanes? A par- they name he, wildfires? Yes.
1: Yeah. That's a thing. I didn't know that. Interesting. But yeah. So um, what Sierra did essentially was they came up with this recipe for this beer resilience, and um they said that they would give all the breweries in the US like whoever wanted to brew that beer they would pay for all the ingredients as long as all those breweries donate all of it all the proceeds all, all the and it's not even proceeds it's just all the money that you get for that beer you donate to the the um
0: the foundation, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, exactly. Whatever is. to
1: to benefit the the, the campfire relief and, and, and help all those people that were impacted by those fires. And this yeah. was hard as balls to find, too. Yeah, so James had to do a little um,
0: searching, right? Yeah, and it sucked. <laughs> but I found it, and the guy saved me one six pack. Luckily, yeah, and I got it. I just had I kind of had good timing where I asked him about it, and he was like, "Oh, I don't, we don't have that." we you know he didn't even know much about it and he's like we don't have that but then conveniently enough like a distributor was just happened to like come by and ask if he wanted them and then he was like hey we just got you know i think he got like two cases and he saved one for me and then i picked it up like the day after new years nice yeah so we that's got it cool.
1: yeah so um, we we just poured those out we're drinking that let me mm-hmm. uh,
0: crack this baby
2: <laughs> oh yeah try it that's, that's a good one nice color nice coppery sort of clear color looks like it's it's been filtered it's
0: actually really good
1: i'd say it's pretty comparable to um uh sierra's celebration it's somewhere in that neighborhood as far as color goes um hop aroma and profile uh i know that sierra also released the recipe at the homebrew scale to the homebrewers association So if you wanted, obviously homebrewers can't sell their homebrew, but if you want to brew it at home and kind of be part of that spirit, that's pretty neat, man. That's cool. They give you
0: the recipe and everything.
1: You gonna do it? I was thinking about it at some point. Um, I I I don't have any of the hops that were in there, but it's a pretty simple hop bill. I think it was Cascade, Centennial, and something else. But pretty pretty easy to to get a hold of. Pretty simple malt bill. Yeah, right. I think I'm
0: growing all those. Cascade yeah. Centennial, and I think I have—I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'll, so next yeah, summer I'll, I'll have a bunch of that. <clears throat> yeah, no, that that would be cool too. Yeah, yeah, brew broom with some um, homegrown some hops. hops, some fresh hops. Yeah, yeah.
2: So our guest today. Yeah, uh, guys, this mm. is our first guest on the Thirst for Knowledge guest, podcast,
0: Josh Cotier, baby. Yeah,
3: welcome. Thank you, guys. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize it was the first one, so
2: first guest yeah because i mean episode Good one just ice. got pressed <laughs> yeah yeah sweet
3: thanks for having me yeah no yeah. problem
2: so how did you guys so how did you get into the mix so james you know him so we've known each other since friggin
0: freshman year high school yeah i would say yeah. or sophomore year he's a year younger than me so i knew you when you were freshman and i was a sophomore and that's our clique just kind of hung out together. We all like to drink beers in the woods. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of how it all started, you know? Down of the barrel. Yeah. And, you know, and everything else has been history, you know? We've been hanging nice. out ever since, you know? Our, we're still friends with all our friends, you know? Yeah, that's Which true. is surprising for, like, most people aren't really friends with their, you know, high school friends after 10 years, you know? and Yeah, that barrel
3: all, group still all gets along. Yeah, we <laughs> all still hang out
0: and drink beers every once in a while. Nice, man. So we all stay in touch. So I figured since he's got a nice history and... He's one of the cooler ones who does uh, his own thing, and he's not just you know working and just going home and drinking beers and watching TV. You know, he's actually got a passion and a hobby, and it'd be cool to talk about it. So, why not, right? I like Absolutely.
1: it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you explain a little bit about what that passion and
3: hobby is? So, I'm a diehard tournament fisherman, just pretty much specifically bass. Um, in the past, I've done some commercial striper fishing and a little bit of tuna fishing out off the cape but uh pretty much my whole schedule nowadays is either practicing for a tournament in a tournament or doing something fishing related.
0: It's pretty rad <laughs> yeah. so
1: how did you get down that path of um fishing i get was it a hobby
3: as as a kid kind of thing or? I, I as far as I know as long as I can possibly remember I've just always fished yeah. um as long as I can remember we'd always go up to Lake Champlain in the summer and uh <laughs> just As long as I can remember, just always been fishing.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. It's pretty sweet. Champlain, that's the lake that's between New York and Vermont, right? Yep, yep Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah Champy, the uh, the lake monster. I've it.
0: nice. Oh, shit. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. What is oh, that, Champy? Oh, yeah, shit? you know what? <laughs> Champy? <laughs> Champy? Yeah. Champy. Is he a giant fish or is it just a monster? It's, it's more of like a smaller Loch Ness monster, I think. Oh, it's yeah, It's like yeah, the basis, yeah, exactly. right? So he's yep. like a lizard dude? <laughs> Man. Yeah. Got to catch. Have you seen friggin' Hey Arnold when they do the fishing tournament? Oh my god! And they god. catch that that like Loch Ness huge fish, yep. and they're in like a paddle boat, and they catch that thing, and they would have won the tournament or whatever they're doing.
2: They let that thing go. Yep, Nickelodeon for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> man, not nah, man. It's a feel good ending with a good lesson, man. That's what those shows were all about. Yeah, yeah. You got to catch him with. Was that other show uh, movie?
0: Uh, free willie No 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 yeah they caught free <laughs> Willy. Ah no uh god damn it is it like big fish or something and he like catches that like histor that legendary fish with like his wife his wedding ring or something and then like lets it go and I have, I, no, I have no idea what you're saying no, man No, no. It's called like big fish or something I don't know whatever Yeah I haven't seen that one, man. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I always remember seeing his Facebook, and he's always got pigs. He's always got, like, <laughs> these huge bass. I'm like, I've never even seen a friggin' bass that big. You know, I'm catching, like, a one-pounder, and he can just go and three, four-pounder, whatever. You know?
3: trick is to do it 150 times a year, I guess. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so,
2: my whole uh, – my fishing resume is uh, very, very uh, small. Um, maybe I can – Three occasions I fished at the Watusa Reservoir Alright Okay And My first fishing experience Was at Lake Denison
1: Lake Denison Yeah that's Denison. a place
2: That is a place yeah. Where's that at Oh god Denison's yeah. in In Birch Hill Birch Hill oh, It okay. is Birch Hill yeah. yeah yeah I know where that is So I used to go camping there With my father And I had one of those um, You know those fishing rods Where you had the push button Yep, yep. Mm, Throw right in Sink in And we'd just be Catching sunfish Um and that's it, man. I was never a very good fisherman. <laughs> that's the extent of my career. Gotta stick with it. Yeah.
0: I feel like every year, you know, I'll get my fishing license, hunting license in January, and then come summertime, I get all my fishing shit out. I'll go like hike in the woods to like a pond or river. And, you know, the first time going fishing for the year, you just fuck everything up. You know, (laughs) like, I'll throw my first thing. It gets stuck in a tree. I lose that lure. Then I'll, like, tangle my thing. I'll get, like, a friggin' bird's nest or whatever it's called. And then I'll lose a couple more lures. And by the time, you know, I get eaten alive, I'm like, fuck this, I'm out of here. It's always the first... The first uh, time is always the worst for me. (laughs) Shaking the rust off. Yeah, you gotta, you know.
2: Yeah. Now, you're, you're fishing...
1: Experience is that not really extensive. I mean, I've done it. For, my my father fished. My grandfather fished. You know, growing up in central Massachusetts, a lot of lakes and ponds and places mm-hmm. to hit up. Um, but I, it was always just for fun. You know, yeah. weekends in the summer or on Father's Day, particularly, Dad would want to go out fishing, and we'd go with him, hop in the canoe, kind of thing. Or just from the shore Um, Sometimes with worms Sometimes with lures Like I never really knew specifically What we were fishing for It was whatever, wherever dad wanted to take us And whatever spot we wanted to go to He had spots and and we'd go and do that
0: What's that pond right near uh, Not Paradise, the one near Wachusa Mountain Your dad goes there all the time (sighs) Yeah,
1: I don't know There was a few, there was like South Meadow South Meadow was
0: like Lancaster Clinton, right? that Lancaster? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Where, yeah. That's a great word. That's where we, I like, live, yeah. yeah. That's where yeah. he lives right off of Coach Lace, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's where we used to fish. I used to fish there all the time and when I were in high school. Yeah. Yeah, we used to go there a lot
1: when I was younger. Um, there was a couple other small spots, yeah. but... Um,
2: your yeah. dad's big into ice fishing too, right? Like yeah, that's dad his got thing into now. ice fishing now. I only yeah, ever went with him fishing. once,
1: but yeah, I think he probably does more ice fishing now than he does any other kind of fishing.
0: Yeah, he goes out a yeah. lot. Yeah, and oh. him and those friggin', those friggin' rod and gun dudes. Oh yeah, will go out with like an inch of ice and they're like no no it's still good and they're like on this island of ice just fishing I'm like how the
2: fuck do you even get out there I, yeah I don't know yeah
0: they're like oh that's fine they're all out there like I'm like if you fall through you guys are done all of you but
2: whatever do you and do any okay. ice
3: fishing? I used to do it a lot more when I was younger uh now doing the tournament stuff i maybe go out a few times and it's pretty much just because it's right behind my apartment yeah. <laughs> it's more of like 10 of us playing hockey with some fishing traps out there <laughs> and maybe a little more drinking than anything else going yeah. on but yeah
0: yeah so like trying you know doing all these tournaments and just trying to get out of it's like a lot of work right you're out there like all the time just
3: Yeah, and, like, I make my own schedule mostly with work, so, I mean, without doing that, I mean, it's not even possible to the extent of the amount of tournaments that I do fish and travel for. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize, like, what it actually takes to do it and compete and try to do well, whether it's small tournaments. It's like a or, full-time job, yeah. Yeah, it definitely does feel like a job.
2: <laughs> is it your entire income? Is that is this your whole... No, no, no. no.
3: i I'd say it's more supplemental. Um, you know, if you looked at entry fees and winnings, maybe I'm making some money there. But I mean, after you start factoring gas, what I spend on... It pretty much food, breaks even, <clears> if anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never kept track of any of the dollars here and there but i mean so it's hard to say where where it all goes to be honest
0: well that's it's like that with a lot of things though too like you like post a picture on facebook or instagram and everyone's like oh dude that's so awesome you know and it looks great and you like make a check and everyone thinks like you know that must be so sweet to like be a professional fisherman And like getting that check after winning, but they don't know the whole story behind it and how much friggin' money it actually costs to get there and how much work it takes to get there. And like everyone has this pipe dream of being a professional in some sort of field Mm. that's not just work, but it's like looked upon as a greater thing, you know, like a professional athlete or whatever. But like when it comes to fishing, in one instance, you know, he's gotta spend a shit ton of money to get out there and do all the work. And yeah, if he wins 2,500 bucks. It looks great, but it's really like a not lot more about work overhead than actually, costs. You know? yeah. <clears throat>
3: Travel, gas, entry fees, yeah. like it all adds up. Right. So when did you
1: like decide to pursue this exactly? Like when did your
3: hobby in fishing start to become
1: something that was a little more serious?
3: I'd say it was two thousand so nine six years ago, maybe seven years ago. Nice. Um, there there's like an old forum board that was just like all informative local guys and some guys on there would run these small tournaments and one day me and my friend were like just do go it. do it you know it was just a small one more of like aluminum car topper boats than like big bass boats I think there was like 15 boats. And it was the first one we ever did. And we won it by a pretty good margin. And I was like, well, this is pretty easy. Like, why don't, I, <laughs> why don't we just do this every Saturday?
0: Was and, it a bass fishing tournament? Yep, yeah. just
3: bass. And then after that tournament, we got our teeth kicked in like three more times. And uh, it was just like. Oh, now we know. And then I think it just took off. And May had just, It was you know, just like got, you got real interested in yeah, it. and it yeah. just took
1: off you like a Got wild the bug fire. almost. Yeah. I wonder if you didn't have that beginner's luck, how that
0: one ended up, right? Yeah, could have changed everything, <laughs> It right?
3: probably would have turned me away more than anything. Wow, that's <laughs> you crazy. You guys got
0: in, like, freaking last place, and you're like, you know, fuck this, it's stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why do you even go fishing? Yeah. So, like, before the tournament, were you fishing a lot before that, or were you just, like, whatever? Yeah, I was still
3: fishing a ton. It was just...
0: You're like, let's Not, just enter this tournament and see what happens. Yeah,
3: exactly. And yeah. It's, it wasn't like a big stakes thing. It was right. Like a team tournament, fifty bucks, only a small amount of guys on a smaller pond. But then,
0: so how does something like like that? How does that work? So, like, say there's a fishing derby or something. You paid to go into the fishing derby, x amount of money. Correct. So, And then everybody's money goes into a pot yep. in some sense, and then the top three maybe win. Is that how it works?
3: <laughs> yeah, the general payout ends up being, like, you know, for every 10 boats they'll pay out a spot or sometimes more. Uh, there's different circuits, different series, uh, yeah. so, so it changes. And then when you get to the really big stuff, they're obviously only paying out, like, a percentage of the total pool. Right. You, know, you know, they get to operate and run their business and feed money into other things, so, like, the overall payout might end up around, like, 70 75%. But you're
0: talking big tournaments big with 100
3: with, plus people in and stuff. Yeah, makeup.
0: and big, yeah, big fees to get in and whatnot. Yeah, exactly.
3: Man,
1: it's crazy. So, is there a particular type of tournament that you usually enter into, or?
3: Um, pretty much all of them are going to be by total weight of okay. your five biggest fish you're allowed to cull. Um, some of the team ones will bump up to like six or eight fish if it's a combined team total out of the boat. Um,
0: so it, what's a team is a team like a team of five guys fishing in separate boats um it'd just be two guys in one boat two guys in one boat mm-hmm. okay so then there's like what is there like a a boater and then a, a co-angler type thing or is it or is it what And um, the team
3: ones are pretty much just together as a team okay. and the other ones that they would call like a pro am pro slash amateur format um, that was would be the person in the front of the boat is the pro, and then the person in the back, the co-angler, aka amateur.
4: Yeah.
3: Whereas you're both fishing out of the same boat but not competing against each other. You're in two different groups. You know, at the end of the tournament, the co-angler is only competing against the other co-anglers. Oh. Whereas the boaters only competing against the other boaters. That makes sense. In a lot of the, like uh the state team stuff that I've done the last few years, for the guys in the back of the boat, the co anglers, instead of a five fish limit, it's only a three fish limit. So, like, per se, in a multi-day tournament, you know, day one, Co-Angler just draws a guy who's absolutely on him, and he just whacks five fish for 25 pounds, and he can pretty much walk away with the tournament. So it just kind of, like, narrows that margin where someone can get lucky on one day and, like, just yeah. run away with the whole thing.
0: Huh?
2: Now, you can choose what <clears throat> fish you want to keep and sort of send back. Correct. Like, that's kind of the idea. So it's a strategy game based on how well... The fish are biting, how, like, what spots you're in, and you're essentially, you know, if you feel like the three fish that you caught aren't necessarily going to make weight or be any sort of, uh, provide any sort of competition, you'll just sort of catch and re- release and try to... You know what
3: I mean? Yeah, well, you you got them in the live well, so they stay alive. And as long as there's penalties for having dead fish, there's rules saying that, like, if the fish is Uh. in your boat and you're possessing it and it dies, you're no longer allowed to cull it out. So I got to keep it. So what does that mean? So So if it, you know, you keep it and you put in the live well of the boat. If it dies, even if you catch one bigger than the dead one, you can't throw the dead one back out of your, say, five-fish limit because it's dead. It becomes
1: one of your five fish automatically if it dies. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Okay.
3: So that plays into it. So obviously sometimes if you, like, deep hook a fish and it's not very big, sometimes, like, you know, if I catch a pound and a half or and I think it's early in the day and I think I'm going to do pretty well and it's hooked a little deep, probably just not even going to throw it in the live well because if everything goes in there, then... You yeah. start fishing and you forget about it. And 40 minutes later, the thing's belly up. You just you got shot yourself in the foot more Interested. than anything. Okay, yeah. But, um,
0: man.
2: So what kind of working your way up? Um, first of all, what was the, what was your biggest tournament you've ever been in or participated in?
3: Um, ever, I'd say probably this past December at the team championship down in Florida. Um, so we were the top team from Massachusetts and, uh, some of the other states have, like, six or seven teams they send. It's just like a capita thing. You're, the trail you come from has to qualify to be a feeder series, quote-unquote, for the national championship. And, you know, paperwork, politics, la di da So represent right.
2: your state in yeah. this tournament, essentially? Yeah, because we're the only
3: team from Massachusetts. <laughs> oh, but like, gotcha. Being it was in Florida, they have way more guys. Like, I think Florida had, like, eight teams in the championship. Because oh, wow. they had more trails and stuff like that.
0: So... To get on a team like your team in Massachusetts, you have to win tournaments to get onto the team? Yeah, so the the state team
3: stuff's interesting. There's two ways to get on that. And um, we have what we call a fish-off, which is a one-two-day tournament where at the end of the two days, your top seven boaters and your top seven non-boaters are on the team from that one-two-day tournament. You know, the team's 20 people. The other three and three will come from the whole year over the course of five tournaments where they keep track of points based off a finish. So then the top three boaters and top three co-anglers will then make the team. And then that following (laughs) year, those 20 people go to what is regionals where that 20-person team competes against 20 other states at a regional, like a 200-boat tournament. And then the top boater and top non-boater from each state goes to nationals.
0: Damn. So you made that team?
1: Yep. So and you had to com- <clears throat> you had to compete in a local tournament first, yep, then the regional tournament. Yep. And once you pass the regional tournament, that's when you go to the Florida. Yep. Yeah, the, the four, which is the whole US kind of thing.
3: Well, the the team championship, there's no regional for. So okay. it's like your state trail goes directly to the national championship. Okay. The yep. pro-am format, which is also through the state, is where you have a regional. Gotcha. A bunch of different circuits. It's it's so convoluted. It's, yeah. It really is. Damn.
2: So, how big is the fishing community, like pro community, in the state of Massachusetts?
3: Um, I don't think there's a single person in Mass that I would say, quote unquote, is a professional. Okay. I guess it has yeah, dis- yeah. how yeah. you describe the word. Um, there's we have guys who have competed in, on that what I would call the professional level before. Um. So it's, I guess you, the only way I call it pro is probably the. There's three main circuits to qualify for where that's as high as you can go within the so, U.S.
0: So say that fishing was more like professional wrestling, they'd be the WWE, <laughs> then they'd be like, anybody else know another? <laughs> I mean, there's some local
2: small ones like
0: so like i mean (laughs) so there's three main circuits right yeah and the three main circuits basically you know you can you can enter tournaments in every circuit um and then there's like a big tournament on every circuit at the end of every year yeah they'll have
3: like one big qualifying tournament yeah but all those main circuits are qualification or invite only circuits so um Man. That's kind of what makes the tier difference between, it. I would say, an amateur and a professional. Um, there's people who fish the Bassmaster Opens, you know, and they call themselves uh, an open professional, which, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from anyone, but, you know, it's just.
2: So what does that mean, open professional? So
3: you fish those Opens in whatever region you choose. And if you finish high enough in points for the whole season, you get the invite to fish, you know, the circuit, which gotcha. is I would call professional.
0: Yeah. And some people will just say, Hey, if you made money fishing, you're a pro. Yeah, exactly. You know? right. Like any any normal dude right. like me, hey man, if you friggin' won some cash fishing, you're a professional in my eyes. You yeah. Know? That that's And like, then there's like once you get in it, there's a whole nother level of professionalism, you know? Yeah.
1: It's like if you're in a band and you're just kind of bumming around the garage. You know, you're a professional once you go to a venue and you get paid to play, right? right? Yeah. Like, I make but,
0: money playing
1: music. Yeah, but you're not a national act, right. right? You're not traveling all across the U.S. and, you know, playing venues. Or, you know, when you're a fisherman, right, you're not going all over traveling. You know, now you are doing some traveling, though, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, he's
0: traveling a lot, so A lot of traveling. Yeah. So let's go back to your biggest... Uh, Tournament that you went to So it's in Florida mm-hmm. You're on the mass team
3: Yep we were the team representing What I'd say Massachusetts Because we only had one trail in our state To qualify for that tournament So
0: Right so then you get into the tournament Now it's you and another guy Versus everybody else That's already assigned Or do you have to get assigned to a, a boat
3: Um. So you bring your own boat down And bring your, your teammate boat. is who you fished With that whole year to qualify For the championship Okay, cool. Um, we had, gosh, 273 teams yeah. this year at it. It was...
0: That's a lot of people.
3: It's busy, man. It gets busy. So, like it's boats everywhere. Yeah, I was going to say, so the
0: tournament <laughs> starts... And just two hundred seventy-five freaking boats go out to the water and start fishing. I
3: wish. No, that you, you get a <laughs> boat number and a check-in time based off your boat number. So, like every twenty-five boats, your check-in time goes back fifteen minutes. Okay. So, like on day, kind of like a race. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. So, like day one, we're like boat one hundred and eighty-nine. So our check-in time is like five fifteen. Whereas on day two, we're boat twenty-one. So our check-in time's three fifteen. And then for like. Three and a half, four hours everyone 's coming in by number and weighing their fish, so I mean the weighing goes on for hours
0: and Damn. hours Scam. so you don 't even know where you're at so there 's a, a lot of way I can already see there 's a lot of politics in this too, Yo, yeah. so like <laughs> these top ten guys are they getting like the prime time times to fish because there 's probably a good time to fish and a bad time to fish right
3: yeah, and it 's going to be different every tournament i mean there 's been times where you know if I could be boat one both days. That'd be great. Sometimes you're racing other people to a spot. Other times your fish are biting from 2 to 4 p.m. in the afternoon, so you want a late boat draw. Um, So, I mean, it really can go both ways, and it it adds a huge mental aspect to it. You know, one day you'll get, like, eight hours of fishing, and then the next day you'll get, like, ten and a half. So you really have to factor that in.
2: Damn. So explain to people who are listening kind of, like, what sort of preparation comes into this before a tournament, you know, um, or like and and sort of if you could go into a little bit of detail of sort of how a tournament is run and the steps you take going out on the boat, choosing your spot, you know, whether you're going to fish in a shallow end or a deep end or, yeah. or, you know what I mean? And sort of the strategy and the thought process behind that. Yeah. Um so you're if you're practicing immediately
3: for before the tournament and you're kind of just trying to get some bites and you know get better bites obviously um but for that championship in florida i actually went down like five weeks prior before the cutoff because i was in alabama it's like six and a half hours away and i was like well right <laughs> might here. as well go down i got like four days of practice and while i was down there but I wasn't concerned about catching fish because I knew in six weeks, you know, they're going to be doing something completely different. I was more of like a scouting trip, just okay. burned a lot of gas, got my eyes on a lot of different stuff. Um, fish finders these days, they, they shoot up to the sides of the boat so I can see what's on the bottom, like a hundred feet in either direction. So how does uh, that work? It's, uh, I don't know. it just, it's like a sonar and just shoots okay. out both ways and I can literally like on a, the 3d touchscreen fish finder, I can see in both directions, X amount of feet, depending on how deep you are, the deeper you are, the farther it can look.
0: And you can just see like a picture of a little fish. Yeah. I'll show you guys. Well, not so much a fish. They
3: kind of show up on the fish finder. It's like an arch, but like i you, I'll show you guys pictures after this like yeah. boats that you can plainly see sunken and with the touch fish finder I just see something and you tap it and it makes a waypoint like on your GPS so, it's all, it's
0: all, that's pretty
3: cool um, a lot we'll, of scouting like that
2: yeah. we'll post these pictures on our social media pages but um, so it, it becomes this point of not only necessarily just surveying the land and, and being familiar with the waters that you're fishing in but you basically have to sort of i mean what sort of prep work with like how does weather affect this and and you know how you're fishing fishing in general probably or just
0: even fishing in general or even with these tournaments oh yeah like i guess if you had like a bad storm coming in or something yeah
3: exactly actually just keep using this tournament as a perfect example yeah i was thinking like it was going to stay warm between that whole six weeks the fish were going to start coming up and staging for like when they start spawning i was planning on them being shallower um And then right when I left Florida, it dropped down to like 40 degrees and I don't think it broke like 60, 70 more than a few times when I came back home for those few weeks. So they never progressively like moved into those staging areas. So it was kind of like I didn't necessarily practice wrong. I think I just spent more time looking in. Areas that I wouldn't have spent the time looking in if I knew it was going to be that cold. You're looking at like
0: warm weather areas as
3: opposed to cold weather areas. I was looking for me to push up shallow and get aggressive. Um,
2: Found a couple
3: small things, but you you just never know until tournament day. It's kind of crazy.
2: So you went out in your boat. And you were essentially surveying different parts of the, the 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 lake and the fishing area that the tournament was going to take place in, mm-hmm. and it sort and essentially kind of making notes. Like, okay, there's definitely more fish kind of hovering around and schooling around this area, so you made a note of it. And you were essentially just reconning the area, and then you were going to use that information to bring back to the tournament day to sort of hit those spots.
3: Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then... What's nice about having like a prior practice like that, too, is you can kind of go and look at things without having the whole tournament field out there practicing. You right, know, there was right. no one out there that trip, so I really got to like just... Fish loose, look around, and do whatever I wanted. And then the couple of days right before the actual tournament, there's guys everywhere, and I'm not even going to sure. set the hook on a fish. If I get a bite, I'm just shaking and letting the fish swim off and not catching. So you it.
0: don't want them to see exactly. that you're freaking catching a fish yeah. over there. A, mm.
3: you don't want them to see it, and B, you don't want to sting the fish because it's the day before the tournament, and that same fish could very well just be right there the next day and bite again. Uh, Whereas mm. if you set the hook and sting it and catch it, probably not going to catch it in the tournament.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Damn. Yeah. So it's crazy, man. Dur- <laughs> during a tournament, are you allowed to use those fish finders? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, that's crazy.
3: And it's you know, it shows you more of like what the bottom type is grass, rocks, stuff like that. You can definitely see the individual fish, but it's like you're still gonna know what you're looking for,
0: right. too. Yeah, um, yeah,
3: it's not like you just drive by the winning spot and the screen's like, here it is, this is, <laughs> this is where you need to be First for 12 days. Five, There's yeah. 12
0: five pounders right here, go yeah. get them. Yeah. yeah, but
3: um. No, and it's in the last five years, the electronics game has just gone so crazy for fishing. That's kind of been a huge topic of discussion because four or five years ago, they didn't have these fish finders that were shooting out to the side of the boat. So like nowadays, essentially the amount of area I can cover with these things compared to before, you know, it took guys five, ten years to see what we can see
2: in like a year now because of just
3: how much ground we can cover kind of crazy it is
2: are there any purist tournaments where this sort of use of technology is is like forbidden and you sort of fish kind of old school way i don't know of
3: any specifically that restrict it but i've not like i've seen just from being on facebook people are talking about uh doing stuff where you just you have you're going in blind almost right yeah and i guess the only exception would just be like um be navigation just because you got to see your contours on your gps and stuff to watch out for like sandbars and stuff Uh, so i guess i guess it'd be really hard to like delineate between like who's using their fish finder for navigation and not crashing their boat opposed to who's actually looking for fish so that makes more sense so i guess that would probably be the the gray area why it'd be so hard to enforce that but there are talks of it for sure see
2: that's crazy to me you know i if you're in these pro tournaments you know I feel like you shouldn't. That should totally. I mean, I granted, I'm not a fisherman. I know nothing about the sport. <laughs> uh, I did a little bit of homework, but that's about it. Um, but I would imagine, you know, they should take away the fish finders and actually allow the professionals to actually have to understand the the behavior patterns of a bass fish, um, whether based on the conditions of the water, the conditions of the weather, and you know, sort of how they would react You know, how the fish would react To this particular body of water You know, I feel like that's much more Like, that you have to like un- Requires a much more professional right.
1: Yeah, but wouldn't having just those skills give you an edge over the guys that are just using a fish finder? right? And
3: and that's exactly what's been the bigger argument over the last few years is that, you know, there's people that probably, you know, not everyone, but, you know, people get to talking and people say, well, you know, so-and-so, blah, 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 without this or that. Yeah. But I guess what it comes down to is like... You have all that fancy equipment, all, like, technology, and, like, gone out there plenty of times and got my teeth kicked in. So, (laughs) even when you think it's this giant, huge advantage, like, you know, you go out there in this giant bass bow with your buddy and you try your ass off for eight hours and you still only catch, like, two tiny fish, but someone else has five fish over four pounds and just crushes it. So it's just, like...
0: So so is this, like, uh, these tournaments, are these same guys... Like, say, like, whoever won last year. Are these same guys always coming up in, like, the top ten? There- yeah, yeah. Especially
3: regionally and locally. Guys just get uh
0: so there's a reason behind it. It's like poker. It's not all luck, you know. Right, there's right. always going to be the strategy. same guys in the final table every year, type yeah. thing.
3: And, and it's seasonal dependent too. I mean, there's just bodies of water where people do well in the spring or in the summer, in the fall. Um, you know, I have a f- few places that if there's a tournament on the spring, I will not skip that tournament i'll be there and then there's other places where there might be 50 boats on but i know i have no business being there so um you know it's just one of those things i mean just like anything else you gotta pick and pick where you want to gamble
0: so you're a spring guy when it comes to
3: fishing yeah and you got the good luck in the spring i like from right when the ice melts till about like beginning of May, it's my favorite time to fish. Yeah. So,
2: so what about that? What makes that sort of your? Hold on, before you say, it, I want to guess. Is it because they're
0: super hungry? Because they've been chilling under ice all year, and they're looking for some big. You know, some meals or what?
3: <laughs> I feel like that's just when I'm the most in tune with what's yeah. going on. I feel like I know what where the fish are going, and even if not the majority of fish are there yet, I feel like I just kind of understand that, like, some fish are going to be doing this, not all of them, but the fish that are doing that are probably going to be pretty decent, and I feel like I can catch them. I just, um, you know, like anything else, you just, it's confidence. That's just what I'm confident I feel yeah. like I can, you know... You're playing better. to your strengths, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The baits I like to fish work out better. My style of fishing, just like staying on the move and trying to find fresh fish, works in better. Um, all little little things like that.
2: So, does your equipment change? See, like your rods, your lines, your lures, oh, yeah. your bait. Does that all change based on the the season as well? Or the season, situation. Situation. Uh,
3: whether you're fishing for smallmouth or largemouth, whether it's spring, summer, fall. I mean. Uh, color the water yeah exactly so i mean i'll fish you know even in one tournament in one day at one point i might be fishing five pound fluorocarbon um and then you know i'll put that down and pick up a rod with 65 pound you know braided line and just turn right to the left and like flip a jig into a tree or something so um there's definitely something to be said about being versatile definitely being helpful uh opposed to just being like stubborn and sticking to what you're good
2: at i guess right so when you were going back to that tournament in Florida, um, sort of what, what kind of equipment did you bring with you? Lines, lures, I mean, Everything. baits, I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, so how do you prepare for that? So did your recon, when you went down, you know, prior to that tournament, did, did that sort of decide what equipment you were yeah, going to
3: bring? that thinned it down for sure, and then other stuff, just like... Um you know, there's not, it's not like super deep or super clear. There's no small mouth. So there's definitely a good portion of gear that I just knew. You not, can eliminate. Yeah, I knew no matter what, I was not going to need it. Right. Um,
0: you didn't bring your tuna reel or anything? Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> but you still even, um, you know, have everything ready. Uh, like the first day of the tournament, you know, I have a big eight foot rod with a big 10 inch wooden swim bait on it whereas on the rod right next to it it's eight pound line with a little four inch worm so like you're still like yeah all over the place even but usually when you have more of that stuff out we call it not being dialed in we always say like the guy you're to worry about in the morning on the tournament is a guy's got two rods strapped to the front of his deck and you're like all right that guy's on a mission <laughs> <He's dialed laughs> he in. knows what he's doing all day and that probably means he knows exactly what he needs to do right um whereas a guy who it's got 15, might not, you know, it's not always true. That makes true, sense, but though. You're spreading yourself too thin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those guys that get like a one jig and one moving bait out, you're like, this guy knows what's about to happen. Fuck.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in that, do you feel a little like um, at a disadvantage because you're from Massachusetts going all the way down to Florida and trying to, you know, it's almost total opposite in a way. Don't you think? It's warm all the time you know you know fish are probably they act different they don't respond to the same stuff you're used
3: to that's a good question because normally I feel like I can go somewhere break down the water relatively quickly and not so much find exactly where I need to be fishing but at least eliminate like 90% of what I shouldn't be fishing when I went to Florida, I have never felt so out of my element. It all looks the same. Like, I just found, right. like, other places I can, like, drive and look at stuff and be like, nah, nah, nah. But when I was in Florida, it was just like, it's all the same. Like, you can delineate between uh there being, like, spawning channels where fish are going to start moving up into. And, you know, if they're moving here and they're probably wintering here, you try to find stuff in between. But, yeah, I mean, it was after two days I was like man I am not <laughs> figuring this out I never felt like so uncomfortable and yeah even the day before that tournament I thought we were gonna do like not horribly bad because you you just never know what it's gonna take right but um you know we did decent but way better than I thought because like kind of a couple of big fish in practice but I didn't think I had anything to compete with I mean, yeah. it, it takes a lot to...
0: I looked at the, some of the standings, and I was surprised that there was, like, 270 people. I'm like, holy shit. There's 270, like, teams and like... The top ten win, right? Or, like, how, how's, it, how's the cash payout? Every
3: format's completely Every different. different. Like, that's a qualification tournament to go fish, like, the Bassmaster Classic if you're in the top yeah. three. So then on the very last day, it cuts down. Some of them are just money tournaments. So, I mean, it just gets... So the
0: top three of that tournament went to the Bassmaster Classics? Uh, so they took the top three teams on the final
3: day after day two. And then those three teams split up into individuals. And then for two more days, those six individuals go out. And then after two more days, the person with the most weight went to the Bassmaster Classic.
2: That's intense. So how does
0: everybody else get into the Bassmaster Classic? (laughs)
3: That's why it's so so tough to get to that tier of what I would say is professional. Right. money definitely helps you know the guys can go and fish the opens and stuff year after year after year and it isn't a big commitment of their time and money to do that obviously or right severely raising their probability of doing it uh so it it just definitely makes it tough that's crazy
1: so are these guys who are top tier are they doing a lot more scouting Do they have a lot more free time because it's probably their main source of income?
3: Yeah, yeah, and I actually have like my own opinion on that too. Because some of them complain about the schedule and stuff, but it's just like I mean, like that's your job. Like you're just traveling fishing. Like I'm coming home and like trying to work a job like in between two traveling events to come Mm. up with the money to do it. Whereas it's like you're just driving fishing. I can see that. Some of them still have to do other things on the side. There's it's not a huge ton of guys who are like pad in their bank account with money from fishing. You right. know, there's it's not like there's thousands of guys it out there. It takes a lot
0: of work to get to that yeah. top tier level where that's your job and you're making like millions of dollars. Yeah. 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 Getting sponsorships and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah,
3: and that's the biggest thing is, you know, you get a uh, for example the Elite series, you know, it's like a twenty thousand dollar buy in at the beginning of the year. So I mean That's a lot of most of dough. these guys, you know, are getting sponsors to pay for that. Mm-hmm. but if you don't come up with the sponsor money, like
2: yeah, what are you going to do?
3: <laughs> what, did you take out a credit card? Unless like, you're,
0: like, baller yeah. rich already, and you just like this as a fun hobby. Exactly. Yeah. Do you
3: have any sponsors? Uh, I got two main sponsors. It's not like, they don't give me directly money. They give you
0: gear, though, or something? Yeah, exactly.
3: Um... Smattis Bates He's a local guy In Massachusetts He's Bob, getting bigger And bigger every year Um, Shout out Yep Helps (laughs) me out big time Uh, He's actually We've worked together To bring a few baits To life And then uh, The other one's Irod Which is a fishing rod company Out of California Yep Nice Matt Newman He's a great guy too He hooks it up with the
2: rods So what did it What did it take To get sponsored
3: Um kind of like a put together a light resume of just like what you've accomplished over the last few years uh when i got on with irod i was still doing more saltwater at the time and i was already fishing his product and he came out with a saltwater line of stuff so i was like you know i could kind of help you out and he didn't really have a foothold in massachusetts um so we've just had kind of a good relationship since then and nice it's kind of you know, he he was, even a few years ago, I didn't really have any huge notable stuff than anything I've done, and he still helped me out. So, I mean, I appreciate that for sure.
2: Nice. So how does that work in terms of maintaining, like, is there rules to maintaining sponsorship or, you know, in terms of, I mean, how does all that work?
3: I, I, you just got to be a good example more than anything. Like, obviously, um, you know, if somebody wants their brand on you, you have sure. to have, like, some type of accomplishment. Um you know, some of them have formal written contracts you sign. Some people don't. Um, iRod's pretty easygoing. I mean, just I guess the biggest thing with nowadays with how crazy social media is. For like, sure, yeah. You know, you're representing someone, and you have to keep that in mind no matter where you're posting and what you're saying, uh, stuff like that. Whereas there's other companies you can, quote-unquote, be on a pro staff. Um, but it... it <laughs> It all depends. I use that term loosely because it all depends, I feel like, on what you're getting. Some guys will do a lot for next to nothing, whereas uh, there's guys out there who have some of the most impressive resumes ever that still struggle to come up with the funding just to.
2: Really? Yeah, it's
3: pretty crazy.
2: Interesting. Um, I, I did have, I was curious as in terms of when you were talking about sort of. Your approaches and how you sort of assess, you know, a body of water in terms of the type of equipment you use. I mean, this might be a big question, but how did you, through your experience and coming up into the ranks, how did you learn all this stuff? I mean, did you have any sort of teachers? Did you, it was this all, were you mostly self-taught? Is it like internet
3: forums and videos, that kind of thing? Yeah, the internet helps huge time for sure um i've had a few people over the years who have helped me out uh my buddy joe birchall when he moved to massachusetts and moved back to massachusetts from alabama we started fishing a ton of tournaments and knowledge wise and technique wise and stuff he was way ahead of like what i was doing stuff i knew about but i didn't know like the little tiny details about certain things so probably fishing with him and he's like um what i would call a bass nerd you know he <laughs> you know, knows knows the hometown of like all the pros like where they're from and stuff oh, wow. so he's huge into like all the articles that get written mm-hmm. and um so that's who i've fished with for years and years and other than that yeah just like the internet you read about things and the best thing you can do is just Get research time doing it and yeah. go out and practice it. You so got
2: to dive deep. What was one of the hardest skills you had to really develop and work on repetitively until you got it down? Can you give me an example or anything?
3: Probably finesse fishing. So it's what what it's is kinda that? It's kind of like a generalization, but it's like fishing a small lure on light line like slower. When I first started doing tournaments, I would be just more of what you would call like a power fisherman, just like moving quick, heavy line. Your muscle in it, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's less technique kind and of then, thing, you know. You lose, you lose, you lose, and then on those tough days, you realize you're going to break out those spinning rods with the light line. And yeah. now it's like my favorite thing to do, yeah,
2: nice. <laughs> so, what does that mean? You know, light lore, light line. Um, so. What makes that like, like a the, challenging? Um, you know, what? I'm just not sure I know the difference.
3: It's... <laughs> You know, with the lines lighter, you run the chance of breaking off fish. Okay. But, you know, they're more apt to bite because the line's smaller, less likely to see, like, a very small six-pound test for carbon opposed to, like, what is essentially braided nylon
0: rope. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You can see that. Um, They're more, like, scared to bite and whatnot. Using
3: smaller lures, fishing slower, I mean, if I had it my way, I'd be moving at Mach 1 down the bank, you know, <laughs> right. just casting and reeling as fast as I can and putting them into the boat as fast as you can. Right. Okay. But, um, you know, that's conditions and bodies of water doesn't always uh, allow for that.
0: Okay. So, <clears throat> what was I going to say? Man. I don't know. I freaking forgot because we got <laughs> lost in the conversation. Um, oh, yeah. So, I got into bass fishing, Um a few years back with a buddy of mine and for some reason we just clicked fishing and that was our thing for like a year or two and we we got into it but we weren't like anywhere hardcore that but we got into it. We felt confident enough where I bought a bay casting reel. Yeah. Holy shit, that <laughs> was hard as hell. How yep. like making those bird nests every time you cast and it's like and it swivels and makes this huge thing. It's the most frustrating thing. Mm-hmm. But then everyone I talk to who has one, he's like, oh, it's the best thing. You can just like perfectly get it right where you want it. You can control it. And I'm like, fuck, man. It's so goddamn hard. <laughs> yep. And like, I just remember like the most the most I hated fishing so much when I had one of those reels, just trying to te- learn like learn and teach myself how to use it and like hold your thumb on the thing and just uh, flick it. But every time I talk to someone, they're like, but dude, once you get once you get it, you can just you can almost put anything, any lure you want in any spot. And I quit. I was like, fuck this. I quit. I got, it down. I got my spinning rod back out, and I was like, look at this. I just launch it as far as I wanted. And I was like, this is what I'm keeping. <laughs> But, so you use a bait, is that, like, a common thing, is just bait casting reels for everybody? Oh, you use both. You use both, mm-hmm. yeah. Because when
3: you get down to, like, really light lures and stuff, since you're going against the spool, you know, you can't, some stuff gets so small, there's no chance of really throwing it on a bait caster.
0: There's some, uh, <laughs> when I was into it, there was just, like, there's levels of um, skill when it comes to fishing, and it seemed like... The guys who acted like they were like real good at fishing, they used the baitcaster reels, you know, and they're like, oh, if you're not if you're not using a baitcaster reel, then you must not be good at fishing type thing, you know. <laughs> and I was in my head for some reason when I was into fishing, I was like, that's what it was like. Oh, that guy's using a baitcaster; he probably knows what he's doing type thing. I don't know.
3: I've seen some people who have what I would say the worst mechanics ever win some of the b- biggest tournaments. So it doesn't always come down to how good you are at casting and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes you're just on them or you're not on them
0: (laughs) yeah man
3: so I had a question about
1: um, in these tournaments or uh, it may vary from tournament to tournament but uh, is like stocking areas with fish does that happen do they do that or they stock like, fish yeah do they stock fish like how does it how does that like
3: work? the people running the tournament yeah yeah how does that work no it's pretty much all just uh it's all just natural, natural. balance yeah. if, you know catch and release that's you know the big upside to having the live wells and yeah. when you go to the weigh-in they have all these bump digs um there's there are places where they will stock bass but when they do that, they're not necessarily putting big fish in. They're putting smaller fish in, like fry. To help the population. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. And the biggest thing is these places will get out, like Florida strain bass, because the genetics generally are just known to get bigger. They have farther south, just big growing season because it's warm all year. So yeah, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll buy those Florida strain fry hatchlings you know, from hatcheries there and then bring them and stock them in other lakes and mm. stuff
0: so when you were before you started like traveling around for fishing and you were only in Massachusetts New Hampshire you know the New England area fishing were you surprised of the pigs that you caught down south were you like holy shit like this is a nine pound bat or something crazy like that or... all my
3: biggest fish I ever caught were in Massachusetts really <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. that's, what yeah. that's what I was looking for that's was um yeah and I think it just comes down to the amount of time you spend fishing somewhere um Got a, f- a few really big ones in new hampshire for sure and in vermont too um but you know my top three biggest fish are all in massachusetts really what, what was the weight of your biggest fish uh
0: 8.2 for Bass right. in massachusetts yes <laughs> <laughs> i was uh i remember um a few years back i used to fish this pond called white's pond near dick's sporting goods and lemonster okay yeah you know it's like it's a tiny little pond full of friggin' uh lily pads you can't even get a boat you have to put a kayak in there to fish cuz you got to go in the middle of the pond and fish towards the shore because you can't fish on the shore cuz there's just there's like like 40 yards of lily pads all around the pond but for some reason I always said like the farm around Gove's farm around White's Pond it, they just leak fertilizer in and make <laughs> mutant fish and I saw an article of this like 8 year old kid who caught like a 5 pound bass out of there and I was like oh shit I told you there's mutant fish in there because every time I used to cast out I'd cast my line out and then I I'd get a good bite and it snapped snap my line I'm like there's monsters in here there's monsters in here <laughs> and then yeah so 8 pounds that's crazy man yeah. So, how I remember uh, there being like pins, you know, like Masters has like fish pins. So, like the best fish of each year yep. of every species, you get the pin for that year, right? Yeah. Did you ever get one of those? Um, Not for bass, I think. But like, for any fish?
3: Um, One year I had the biggest white perch. It was actually at the Wachuset Reservoir. We nice were yeah. that. nice. It was nice. Like,
0: And you got like a pin for it or yeah. something? Yeah,
3: a golden pin for the biggest one that year. It's probably wow. like 2000 eight or something <laughs>
0: that's so weird so like when you when you caught that fish were you like this is a big ass fish um yeah i, I
3: just kind of you just know it's big for that species it was like when i caught it it was like three one which was bigger than anything that I had gotten weighed in the last couple of years by the time i got it officially weighed and everything i think it was like 213 or 214 because it already like died that. or something yeah exactly
0: so it died
1: and then like shriveled up <laughs> So, yeah, what's the lag time between catching it and then getting it officially weighed in?
3: That one, I was like a 50 minute walk into the woods. So, like, here oh. I am, like, walking out of the woods with this thing, like, off the back of my backpack. Uh, yeah. Kind <laughs> like, going to go and drive somewhere to get it weighed, which is like
0: should have filled it with lead
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's been done in tournaments people have gotten caught really (laughs) wow
0: Wow. i mean you think about it though you know like i was gonna ask you cheating but let's keep going with this yeah
3: but um i think after that i just realized like stressing a fish and killing a fish just like to get a materialistic object just wasn't something i was really into anymore um I, I mean, can totally if you see kill that, every trophy fish, like, there goes your genetics. There goes the fish that breed and pass right, on yeah. the, the good genetics. So, I mean, there's definitely something to be said about that.
0: No, that makes sense because it, it really shows of, um, a respect you have towards what your passion is, you know. And when it comes to, like, I could just see, like, hunting, you know, and hunting-wise, you see, like, this amazing animal and, like, you'd be like, wow, that would look great on my wall. But at the same time, you're like, I'm not fucking shooting that thing. Yep. You know, let it breed. Let it grow some more of those pigs. Same thing with fishing, you know. Like, when you have that respect towards fishing, is it worth that pin or that respect that you have? Who cares next year when someone else breaks that record? Exactly. You know, like, wow, you got a pin, but why kill that fish? So I could see that. That's That's respectable, you
1: know. Now, what happens with all the fish that get caught? Do they? Do
3: you keep them? Eat them? Do they get donated? Like them back it, in? Does it vary? Yeah. yeah, they all go right back in the lake. So the bigger tournaments will have what they call a live release boat. It's mm-hmm. just this giant pontoon, and it's just like two giant fish tanks. So you, um, when you're waiting in line with your fish, there's these big like hundred gallon or maybe more. I don't know exactly. Tubs with water and aerators. So you get a mesh bag with all your fish in it, and there's thirty people standing in line, and then. You go up, they weigh your fish, and then right after your weigh, you hand over your fish. Throw they them back put in. them in the release tank, and then they just drive out in the lake, and like the bottom flips open on these. things. <laughs> is it
0: like a is it like a ritual thing where everyone's like yeah, or is it just like they just do it? Um, <laughs> like
3: they, I, no, that's a good point. You'd think more people would be following it. um... There's definitely something to be said about going back and catching what we call retreads or release fish because in this huge tournament, you know, you got a thousand fish getting dumped in one area. But generally speaking, they've been caught, they've been stuck in a live well, then stuck in a boat all day. They're usually pretty nagged out, out afterwards. But um, yeah. I've definitely caught some fish doing that before.
0: Yeah. Is there, a, is there like when you, when like, say, like a like any guy, he catches like a pig? You know, one that's like, you know, an eight pound bass in a tournament. Is everyone like, oh, damn, you remember that eight pounder that guy got last year? You think it's still in here? And like, oh, yeah. That legend type thing? Yeah, there's,
3: it happens all the time, even locally. Just, um, yeah. And, you know, cause tournaments get the spotlight, whereas, you know, fun fishing, you, not everyone sees what happens when someone just goes out. Um, when it happens, seeing some crazy fish come out of places you've never think would produce something th- that big. Right. In you know, tournaments where, like, you're trying to catch fish over two pounds just because that's, like, the average for that place. And then someone comes in with a six, You're just, like, Shit. I've only ever caught a four-pounder out of here. Like, stuff like that. And then you yeah. see him
0: throw it back in and swims away. You're like, there is a yeah. six-pounder <laughs> in this friggin' lake. <laughs> and then and I'm going to catch it today. And if
3: there's one, there's at least a few more. Right.
0: <laughs> you would think. That's funny because... Um, near my house in Lemonster, there's a place called Lynn Basin and Fitch Basin, and it's like Wiki Peaky where we used to do rope swings. Okay, yeah. Those two ponds, I'm convinced there is a pig in that thing in Lynn Basin because I always throw. I, I, it's like like this. It reminds me of like what, what like Jurassic world would look like. Like, it just looks prehistoric. Like, there's ferns everywhere. It looks like no one fishes there. Like, if there's a giant gator living in Lemonser, it's probably living in Glen <laughs> Basin. And I remember when I was a kid, we my dad would bring me out there, and one day there was just like, it was like a friggin' 20-inch salmon on the side of the road. I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> I'm like, there's no, it didn't make any sense. It was like a prehistoric looking fish. Someone probably dumped it there but in my mind i was like this came out of the pond a bear grabbed it and then and then spit it out right here and every time i go there i always catch like like i'll go out there in the summertime and i'll catch like 21 pound fish right in like a day and i'm like just keep hitting them i'll get these little one pounders but then like you cast out and all of a sudden your line snaps and you're like what the fuck was that Was that, like, a 20-pound bass right in there? (laughs) Or, like, sometimes I'll walk around with my dogs, and I'll just hear this huge splash. And you're like, dude, that was a pig. Like, what was that? And for some reason, Lynn Basin comes to mind whenever you, you know, think of, like, monster fish. There's, like, this tiny pond. (laughs) But it's in the woods, you know? you got to hike down there and get to it, you know? There's got to be one. There's got to be one there, you know? (laughs) He's eating all the babies every year, and he's just getting fat. No one fishes down there. I never, ever see anyone fishing there's probably like $200 worth of lures in the trees for me, though. <laughs> you guys can go get that. But yeah. Man. That's pretty cool, though. So so you got an 8-pound bass in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the biggest bass? No, no. Usually like
3: a high 9 or a 10 is like the biggest fish of the year, every year.
0: And they, they have to keep that fish, essentially, weigh it in, and then it dies, right? Um, you say so if you have like a live well in your
3: boat, yeah, you can bring it. Makes it. sense, but it's actually kind of like silly that the state of Massachusetts doesn't allow the transportation of live fish because you could transplant it somewhere else. So it's like really, yeah, it's kind of silly because it kind of puts you in a tough spot. Like people obviously do it and bring it back to exactly where they caught it because they, you know, they yeah. know where the fish uses the area, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it, yeah right, it, that makes
0: sense but you'd think, like, you think they'd make it a little easier. So what's their reasoning behind it? Like uh, spreading some sort of disease yeah, that they have? Yeah, exactly.
3: That makes sense. Anything, parasites or anything like that, transferring from body of water to body of water. They don't want um, invasive aquatic species, you know, water chestnuts, stuff like that. Um, they don't want invasive plant life getting from one lake to another to yeah. another.
0: I remember there was a thing with, uh, was it a lily pad or something? Where, like, or an algae where you had to wash your boat every time you want to, like, go into a different lake. Yep. And cause you didn't want to spread that, that plant disease or whatever, yeah. that invasive species. So, like,
3: the Quabbin reservoirs like that. You have to get inspected at the beginning of the year. And then they put, like, a chain around your boat hitch and everything in it. The-
0: that represents you yeah. got checked. and
3: you can't get it taken off unless, like, when you come back to the Quabbin. So if you come back to the Quabbin and, like, that tag's broken off, which you have to take it off to take your boat off the trailer, they won't let you dump in because you could have put that boat in somewhere that has invasive aquatics. So. Damn. Pretty protected.
0: That's crazy. But that makes sense in one way. So, So, essentially, if you think you have a record-breaking fish for that year, and you might be eligible for a pen you're basically killing that fish, right?
3: Uh, I'd say most of the bass guys probably don't kill them because they got live wells and they'll just drive to somewhere. And but then legally you're not allowed to drive that fish li- alive. Yeah, I think it's a big gray area and you probably yeah. wouldn't get arrested for it for doing the right thing. Right, right, but right. But it's just one of those taboo, th- like yeah, stupid As you know. far as I know, that's still how the law is written. Wow. Hmm.
2: Well, if you caught that that fish that earned you that pin You know what? what's the time between You catching it to when It gets weighed in like could you Just gut it and just keep it And just sort of eat it I mean or I like know. you'd probably we'll not just, want to eat it Though you'd probably want to like As, it, I mean I like guess, taxidermy type thing and put
0: it on your wall If anything yeah, right probably. Yeah for
3: that fish for me it was probably a little over an hour Just cause at that point I was like 45 minute walk from where my vehicle was where I caught it right, at yeah. the reservoir because it wasn't in the boat so <laughs> yeah. it was just like and then you just you have that fish in your hand and you're like okay I get like it's only going to last so long out of the yeah. water like you're going to decide right now. Whereas if you're out in a bass boat, like yeah, you can so just fun. drop the thing in the live well and the live well will run Keep the whole bubbling. The time right.
0: you, you tow it to the weigh station weigh it, and bait shop. Put back job. in your live, weight, yeah. your live well and then bring it back to the pond.
3: They do have a program now where you just like take a photo and a picture of the weight and everything. But I think it's a completely separate program, I want to say.
0: Yeah. It, yeah, that makes sense. So... Uh, what was I going to say? I'm losing my train of thought.
1: <laughs> James, you were, you, were, you yours, said man. you had a question about, um, like cheating earlier. Oh, you yeah, to yeah, talk yeah, about that? Yeah.
0: Actually, I have one question before that. So, <laughs> so say that you catch like a one or two pound fish, right? How do you, and say you catch a one or two pound fish and then you catch like a five to six pound fish. Typically, how do you tell the age of the fish? when it's represented... It's not represented by weight, right? But you would say, like, a five-pound bass is probably not a one-year-old bass, right? Or, no, no,
3: definitely not. Right. That fish, I don't know the exact numbers on it, but I can tell you it's definitely older than five, six years. Right, if, and if they live more. a lot longer than
0: I thought. When I looked at it, like, I didn't think a bass would live for six years, but how long do they live?
3: Um, Again, I don't know the exact numbers. I know up in the Northeast, the life expectancy is definitely shorter. I think... Around here I I don't know for sure But I want to say Most of them Is like a 10-12 years Kind of like That's long, crazy right that I Crazy I, yeah. I don't know The exact numbers on it But I know it, It's more than a handful But it's not exactly Like 20 That's for sure Although Is there
2: <laughs> any real Predators Sort of in that are hunting right. bass no, in the right? in the natural I mean bears, aside from like maybe? birds and
3: yeah, birds. bears uh, some the places that have northern pike you know when they're smaller 1 2 pounds is big enough pike to just eat them no problem okay. um you know, down south alligators, I guess. Sure. Snakes, um,
0: like a lot, I feel like a lot more things down like, south would oh, eat a fish than yeah. up north. I have <laughs>
3: seen, even in mass, I did see a beaver with like a four and a half pound bass one time, oh just like straight up swimming down this damn. bank. Like like, just, just, damn, sho- like, that just like, what a bastard.
0: <laughs> yeah, so sure. compared to down south, they live a lot shorter in Maybe because of the cold, is that what you're saying? The cold weather might be a little more stressful on them.
3: That's what it seems. I mean, I've read some crazy, crazy articles saying like up here, like with the ice and everything, that we have way more kill off than people think we do. But I mean, that type of stuff I haven't read into a ton.
0: Right. So as the fish gets, as the for bass, anyways, as the fish gets older, it just naturally gets bigger is that how it works
3: yeah and it seems like they kind of hit like a length limit too obviously some get like crazy long but it seems like they get to a point where they just start getting fat
0: they just get wider instead of
3: longer yeah, they get their bellies i'd in. say as a generalization like that's definitely true
2: no i mean their i would imagine their food supply also plays a role in sort of how well they grow and develop as well right yeah exactly I mean, um so like maybe not just necessarily based upon age, but yeah, stocked trout. You know,
3: there's no doubt that big bass love trout, um, crayfish, perch, golden shiners, stuff like that. Um, you know, the more food source there is, obviously, the easier it is for them to grow. For sure,
0: yeah, that makes sense. I also like not for bass any, anyway, but I'm assuming for any creature. The bigger your area is, the bigger your you you get, right? Like for goldfish, like you have a goldfish, right? <laughs> yeah. Remember we? He's you massive. Had a fucking giant, he's got this
2: giant ass goldfish. <laughs> he got it when it was a little baby. From it was a wedding centerpiece, like it was like a little like maybe an inch and a half long, little wedding centerpiece. Took two of them home, put them in like a I, a bigger bowl. It was, I right. I put them, It was started out in a one gallon tank. Both of them outgrew that. Then I put them in a ten gallon tank. Uh, one of them died, and then the other one outgrew the 10 gallon tank, and then I threw it in a 40 gallon tank, and now this thing's fucking massive. Like, dude, <laughs> this thing's... is like this fucking big. Like a giant fish. When koi I say this fucking this big, point? Yeah, it's like a koi fish. It's probably, what, like maybe two pounds? Maybe. Oh, I don't. I mean, I, don't, I have no it, idea. Well, let's catch he's, it He's it. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> put it this way. If he dies i can't flush it down the toilet yeah (laughs) like i have to chop it up in pieces (laughs) before to flush it
0: down
3: i've seen some giant koi fish in ponds around here it's kind of oh really
0: yeah no that makes sense though (laughs) and they survived through the winter and everything i
3: guess last year someone caught a tilapia like out of a lake or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. he said he saw like six of them i guess he had a picture on it i mean i guess it's true it was on the internet right that's crazy
0: (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I guess there's a lot of factors of getting the growth of yeah. a fish. But, yeah, like I said before, uh, the bigger the tank, it just fucking keeps going, you know? Right. I looked into uh, raising bass in a terrarium and then, like, seeing how big you can get them. And people have them in, like, a 150-gallon tank, and it's just, like, one big-ass bass. It's probably, like, six or seven pounds, and he just throws in, like, 40 goldfish and thing just eats them all up and then <laughs> just sits there. Wow. And then just keeps feeding them every day. And they get, like, 10 years old, 15 years old. He's like, this is a 9-year-old bass in my 100-gallon tank, and he's, like, 6 pounds. And he just lets him sit there and just feeds him. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: kind of weird. Not a lot of (laughs) swimming space.
0: No, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, your goldfish doesn't have much swimming space, and he's fine, right? I mean, I, I don't communicate with him. I have no idea. <laughs> he, he's still alive. I mean, he's, he's hanging
2: out. He's chilling. He
0: eats one. feed that guy flakes, or what are you feeding him, like,
2: ribeyes? <laughs> Straight chicken wings. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to buffalo.
4: Why is that chocolate
2: <laughs> He likes oh, spicy, man. right? He's crazy.
0: crazy. Crazy dressing over blue cheese, or what is his, what is his preference?
4: <laughs> uh, ranch. We,
2: ranch. We don't do blue cheese in our household. Yeah. You're a ranch guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a ranch guy too. Yeah. But hey, whatever. I go. I go
1: both ways. <laughs> both <laughs> ways. You're bisexual when it comes to ranch and blue. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah.
2: So let's let's uh, let's get into cheating. Uh, cheating, yes. And tournament politics and cheating so, and. I
0: have a couple scenarios. Right. Say that you are. There you go, cracker open. I want to hear that. I want to we'll spread a crack. this one. What do we got? Forever. What do we got? To
3: try. This is um, from Bissler Brothers called "Industry Versus Inferiority." <coughs> nice.
0: Cracker open, baby. There we go. All right. So I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. There's a professional fisherman with a bass boat, right? And you're the co-angler. I'm good. I'm. Eh, I'll take a little sip. When you're ready. For some reason the co-angler is crushing it mm-hmm. and the pro is like not doing anything. What's the relationship between the co-angler and the professional? Are you like in a way helping him? Are you guys two separate entities? If you catch a pig and he's like, hey, I'll give you five grand for that fish, <laughs> are you giving him that? Or what's you know like Personally I wouldn't do it, no. You wouldn't do it, but is do you think there's some do you think there's some sort of agreement in some teams where it happens? I mean, it. it's had to have happened, right? right? I mean,
3: it just, especially in the multi-day tournaments, you know, it's day two. You had a bad day one, you're the co-angler, you catch a big, one decent-sized fish, but it doesn't do you any good, you're not going to cash a check, and it just, you know, who knows, maybe it's happened, it just jumped over into the boaters' live well, because he was in contention to make a cut, I mean, yeah, I've never witnessed or, it, but I'm sure it's happened 100%. And,
0: like, say that you're with a professional fisherman, right? Or, like, a, you know, you're with the boat guy, you're a co-angler, and, uh you know you're for some reason catching pigs and he's not catching anything is he getting pissed off and like fucking yelling at you for catching pigs yeah i've had that happen once or
3: twice and yeah sometimes the mood changes but for the most part people are like really good sports and i mean it goes both ways too you know there's just that's just how fishing goes sometimes somebody's just doing something a little bit different yeah can
2: can you explain the differences so a co-angler from my understanding, a co angler is someone who can essentially buy into the tournament at a like a reduced, like a severely reduced price of the admission. Yeah. Um. You get paired up with someone who owns a boat. Correct. So you may not necessarily know the boat guy. So so you're a teammate, Whoever. You're, not, you're pretty well. You're not a team. Not a team. You're yeah. just riding along, essentially. E- exactly. Yeah. Um. And so, what's the relationship between the co angler and the And the pros, who owns the boat.
3: Most guys are pretty cool. I mean, I've definitely run into a few stiffs over the years, but um, I'd say you know seventy-five percent of the time, guys are just like really cool. Um, And one thing I know, just because I have fish from the front of the boat and fish big tournaments, like I think it's really important for the guy in the back of the boat to just be like. You know, if he wants to engage conversation, that's fine. But like you gotta let that guy at the front, like, be his own man, do what mm-hmm. he wants to do. Like he starts spitting out too much information. You don't wanna get him off track, you know, if they ask for help, whatever. But I mean, the biggest thing I know has happened to me in the past, being in the front of the boat, drawing guys and from talking to other people, it's like it's really easy for the guy in the back of the boat to throw you off. I mean in what sense? People will be just getting the boat They be like, Oh dude, I got the winning spot, blah blah blah. So like oh. you spend the whole week practicing and the thing is is ninety percent of people in the fishing world are just talking out their ass. Right. So there's like, always that rumor
0: or that yeah, with, especially with fish. Like, I caught a fish this big. Yeah. You know, it, it's the
1: classic always, fishing story. Right, Everybody's caught one. Yeah, it always comes with, yeah, yeah. Like, always comes with fishing.
2: What? For those <laughs> listening, James held his arms about, what, your hands? I would say three <laughs> feet apart. <laughs> three feet apart. I, I don't know. It looks this like thing. five feet to okay. me, man. You know, every guy is <laughs> pretty much <laughs> on what they say, but you know
0: yeah. what? Mine's huge, so whatever.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, it's generally pretty good. I mean, and it goes both ways, you know. You'll draw a guy who's on fish and, um, you know, helps you out. But then there's been other times uh, at that open on Champlain this year on day one. Actually, pretty funny, he pulled up right on to my family's property's dock. That's where we started the whole tournament. Well, the next dock over, actually. And I was like, no way, that's my family's house. And after, like, three hours, we really didn't have anything. And two weeks before that, we had our state team qualifier up there. Right. And I was like, well, man, like, it's like I had 18 pounds right over there, like, two weeks ago. I was like, I haven't touched it since. I have no clue. We go over there, and within an hour, he's got, like, 18 pounds for five fish, and I have, like, 11 three or something like that on my three fish and we were both in the top 10 of the whole nice. tournament so like <laughs> you, you helped know, them out in a way yeah you know, exactly that was all you, so. and um so like it goes both ways i mean
2: so so my understanding is <clears throat> as being the co-angler it's essentially a way of participating in these tournaments to uh gain knowledge to gain experience as you sort of move up the ranks into owning a boat Exactly.
3: last year and the year before i tried to fish pretty much all those big opens as a coing as i could and i'd say the learning curve acceleration is just you know that's what it's all about i didn't really do it to make money because right um even like that tournament at champlain you win like two grand but it's like 500 to buy in gas yeah. and all that so it's like
0: you break for even, a whole even week you want.
3: time it's not like i'm making a huge paycheck um but yeah, it all it all adds up.
2: Yeah. So for those listening, uh, the 2016 Bass Pro Shops Northern Open number three that took place on Lake Champlain in Plattsburgh, New York, you had actually you were co angler. Yep. And you placed number six um, out of how many?
3: two hundred and that tournament's usually pretty maxed out. That's so right around the realm of like two twenty, two fifty probably. It's crazy,
2: man. You put you place number six out of that tournament a two hundred plus and Let's see. Your total count was it was thirty two pounds eight ounces. Was it really? I don't even remember. <laughs> God damn, baby,
4: I did a
3: little creeping. Um, what I do remember about that tournament is being in second place after day one, and then being in second place after day two, and
2: you're like, "Fuck yeah!" It slipped wow. away on day oh, three. Man. So That's what crazy. happened?
3: Um, what, the weather can change completely. It Went from like pretty calm and sunny. Um, smallmouth were like super active and then on that third day it got rainy cloudy and windy and things really shifted and turned plus you know when you're in the back of the boat you don't really have a ton of say in what's going on so like you're kind of just at like the mercy of the person in the front Um, that's just how fishing goes and there's other times where you don't think you're on anything and you just stumble on them yeah (laughs) wow
2: but yeah so I mean pretty sweet you were you pitching some cheating scenarios to him. I don't think we ever really um, did. We finish that.
1: He, he he went a little bit into it, right? Name, like but... if you're
3: swapping fish between,
1: yeah. you know, I think the best
2: way to
3: go and it was just say how people have actually been caught cheating. Yes. Two, yeah. What do you like, got? Yeah. I'll yeah. give Here you two confirmations of cheating <laughs> that you know people obviously know about, and then one that I actually was in a tournament personally, personally, and I don't. The guy didn't get caught, but we'll go into that. The first ones people putting fish in a cage underwater. So like don't so
2: connect to your boat yeah.
3: or no no, they'll go and put it somewhere like in the back of a creek or something. So oh, there's actually shit. videos of people being out on the lake and they'll like snag it and bring up like fifty five gallon plastic drums or these big steel cages and there's just like five or six giant bass in them. <laughs> <laughs> so people are like, you know, and that's been found. It's confirmed. So people are obviously cheating. So
1: these were planted before the tournament yeah.
3: basically. And people will catch fish and put them in there. Oh uh, I've God. also that's seen a video idea. on YouTube <laughs> (laughs) of a guy like on the shore walking his dog or something taking a video of a guy in a bass boat like pulling fish out of a crate. Um, And then another confirmation is a guy in the past did get caught for putting lead down the fish's throat. He actually made a custom mold that would make this big lead weight that was like the same shape of their belly. Oh my God. And at that, give it to the,
0: he'd put it in the bass? In the bass's
3: mouth and it would sit in there and they they didn't notice until one day they put him in, the tank and some of the tanks they used to use have water in them they put the fish in the tank and the thing was just, like <laughs> couldn't balance itself and it was right. just like stuck
2: to the bottom
3: <laughs> and then they found out this guy was like stuffing lead down it
2: Jesus wow. well i mean they you would think just by looking at a fish, you could roughly estimate the weight. I mean, correct? Yeah. So, but, I mean, if you're jamming a big lead weight down them.
3: But what happens is you have these mesh bags with five fish in them, and you're just bringing the mesh bag up, uh, okay. and they're putting the whole bag on the scale. I see, not so one fish. When you're going through the check in line, you'll get like a poke through the bag to make sure that everything's of length limit, legal limit. But like, if you got five fish in there that are all obviously over 12 inches or 15 inches, whatever the limit is. It's not much of an inspection. It's, sure. It's like, yep, they're all big enough. Yep, they're all alive. And they Go. all could be like, yeah.
0: oh, this is a give or take six yeah. six ounces. So everyone gets six ounces. You add another pound of, sure. you know, there's another pound.
3: Yeah, ounces is money for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, I was gonna say, like, yeah, a couple <laughs> ounces could put you in a different spot and you could win significantly more money, right? Oh, yeah, if you look at the leaderboard
3: on those big tournaments, like each space will just like be an ounce. There'll be ties. It'll be like two ounces, so like it's crazy that could
0: separate thousands yeah, of dollars.
3: everything, every little thing adds up.
0: yeah, damn.
3: um And then the speculation on the cheating a few years ago in a tournament on Champlain. It's illegal to use cell phones in tournament for, like, communication. If you want to use it for navigation or in case of emergency, that's fine. But, like, you can't call each other and be like, oh, man, I'm on him. you got going to get here. Right. So it was like a qualification thing on Champlain where you get paired up with a random person. I'm like, all right. So after day one, one of the kids who was staying with the same hotel next room over me, he's like, dude, I think my guy cheated today. I'm like, oh, well, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, yeah, we're just sitting sitting there fishing his phone rings and he answers it and he talks to the guy for like 30 seconds and then all of a sudden he's like put your rod down we gotta go It's like okay so they take off and then he pulls up next to this boat and the guy's like oh man it's crazy that you just showed up and he's like holding up this giant (laughs) fish he's like I just caught this thing that's so crazy you should fish here
0: so like you know, yeah, right. general
3: public knowledge is fine. Like, if you're just talking to someone out in the
0: boat... Like, They're making it look yeah. like in one way, but it's the so other.
3: So then I was like, wait, but he got a phone call and, like, just said he had to take off. So he was, like, obviously cheating. Mm-hmm. Like, And yeah. then he got brought up to the tournament director. And I think the next day, like, he didn't do well or something. He didn't weigh his <laughs> fish. Because I remember in the morning, it was, like, a big to-do. The tournament director was, like, asking him everything that happened. They were recording it, like, oh, on shit. record. And I think the guy who, you know... I don't know if maybe it was because he knew it was happening or what happened. But yeah, like it was a big to do in the morning and then, you uh, know, not weighing his fish. So I don't think they ever really went after him. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't in the boat, but it happens. That's as the story was told. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you
1: got to think like professional sports or a- a- any level. People are trying to get an edge, right? Yeah, you know? yeah And
0: there's always going to be some sort of cheating. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right?
1: That's true, right? God damn.
2: Uh, So yeah, man. I mean, it's pretty wild, dude. Like this, this, this whole sort of journey you're on. You know, you have to love it. It's crazy, (laughs) crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty sweet. But I mean, like again, like everyone when they see someone in like this, you know, in like some sort of hobby that. Goes to the next level of a hobby to like maybe profession or like a extra passion, you know. They see it and it's like, you know, you see it in pictures. Like he's getting pig, he's getting big ass fish. I keep calling them pigs. You know, <laughs> oh, is that the correct terminology? pigs, yeah, pigs pig. slanches, badonkadonk, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It
2: depends <laughs> what
3: state you're in where you're from.
0: Uh, so what, do we, what, do you, what do you guys call them in Mass?
3: I, like, just call
0: them Biggs.
3: Biggs? Biggs. What about,
0: what about down south? Badonkadonk? I can see Badonkadonk
3: down, <laughs> down in Bama. like that or <laughs> like or something. Like I can see
0: that down in Bama. <laughs> Man. But, yeah, you know, when you see them in social media, you're like, damn, that's so awesome. You're doing your thing. You know, you're getting what you want. And then they don't even, you know, people think, like, I want to do that. I can do that. They start going on YouTube, learning stuff. Like, they don't even know the... First thing about it, and there's like so much work that you know you have to put in and you do, and like the money you put in and you know it's a long road to get to you know professionalism and stuff, and a lot of people don't think that you know you got to put in the work to get the results you know
3: yeah, and it, it's not like football or baseball or you know what I guess what would say is normal sports where you play it in high school and then you get into a college playing it and then you have a chance to do it professionally
2: all free of a financial tag. You're
0: sponsored by the public the whole time when it comes to sports but when it comes to fishing... It's yeah. it's on the
2: individual man. It's on yeah.
3: you. Yeah. So there is a college series now, but um, you know, you're it's super limited to like what turn like what colleges actually do it. It's actually growing like big and big time. There's a big high school circuit that's growing and growing. Stuff that you know when I was that in age. Massachusetts. Um. Yeah. There's a few high school. I don't know if there's any colleges in Mass that have a team. Um. But I know there are the high school teams and stuff. Um. That's cool. And they just had the first huge college tournament of the year. Um. I think it was yesterday it
0: finished up, maybe. Nice. That's pretty sweet. Imagine that. Like, that would be, I would love to do that in high school. Like, imagine, like, all right, you're going to get out, like, an extra hour early. We're going to go to this pond and go fishing. And you're like, fuck (laughs) yes. You know, that would be sweet. I would have loved that. Imagine that in our high school, like, hey, you're gonna get out two hours early. We gotta go to this pond and go fishing for like the next three hours. Missed the generation by like eight years. I I was in high school now. Maybe I'd stand a chance of going pro. Going to practice. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, I
3: mean, yeah, but that's just
1: because the social norms back in the day were those main sports, right? Yeah. Now that we have the internet, now that we have better communication, you're starting to see all these little club teams and Mm -hmm. all. All these special interest things are actually getting more uh, interest behind them because there's people willing to, to do it and and, and right. put their time and their money into it and, and follow their passions rather than just being like,
0: well, here's the five sports I have to pick from that the school offers. Exactly. You know? I think we talked about this before, but like the Internet alone allows you just to learn everything about any subject you want to learn about yeah you want to learn about how to catch bass you could probably get to a hundred forums and you can go into the most specific details about which lure to use in which color in which temperature in which area and you know people will draw it out in detail and you could learn so much about fishing just on forums yeah like in any other subject like cars you know there's forums of just one specific type of car like subaru guys they have their own shit, and they go through it and, like, you know, anything, man, like beer, yeah, recipes, and cloning exactly. beers, like we talked about before. You yeah. Know? yeah.
3: Just extraction information and trying to utilize yeah. it correctly.
1: Yeah. I mean. And the internet is a great resource, but I think when it comes down to it, the thing is you just got to get out there and do it. Like, once you have that interest, you have to follow follow up, you know. Right. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And it's the guys <clears throat> who spend the time, you know. Yep
1: it's like yeah you're talking about seeing that, seeing that end result on social media you don't see all that time that goes on behind the scenes reading those forum posts going out into your field and practicing that thing and like mm-hmm. getting you know
3: your hands dirty right yeah and having a cash a check to come home and pay bills oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> hear that man that's crazy yeah, yeah no, no. no yeah yeah, the, yeah
0: um F- first guest josh you did awesome thanks a awesome. lot so yeah, man thanks yeah. for yeah. having me guys yeah. i
3: appreciate it it was awesome
0: yeah, yeah it was awesome you got any sponsors you want to rep besides the ones you already did or any any shout outs yeah any social media you want to rep you know no
3: i no, just keep your eyes out i guess you know like before some Mattis Bates and irod guys yeah. have been helping me out for a while now uh see you guys on the water sometime maybe got
0: a twitter yeah. handle no, no Twitter. <laughs> no Twitter. No Twitter, no Instagram, no Facebook. That's the way I like it. <laughs> nice. I'm all baby. All right,
1: sweet. Well, go get those badonka squanchies, man. So, <laughs> badonka Hey, everybody, it's the outro time. Yay! Yay! (laughs) All right, so we got a few fun facts. We got some corrections, clarifications, um, not too much, but we'll start in chronological order. So, at the beginning of today's episode, we were talking about um, Sierra Nevada's Resilience IPA, and I was talking about the ingredients and everything. So, I actually went to the Homebirds Association website. And looked up to see what the recipe was, just to throw that out for you guys who might homebrew or whatever. Um, I don't have exact amounts on the malt bill, but it was basically a simple 2 row base malt, a little bit of Crystal 60. And the hot bill, as I said, was Centennial and Cascade. And then you can use whatever American ale yeast of your choice. So that's what all the different breweries did, and then that's what you could do at the homebrew level. Nice. Cool, yeah cool. <laughs> um, So uh, we were kind of disputing the pronunciation of B-U-T-T-E, county. And uh, I did a little research, and it is, in fact, not Butt County. (laughs) (laughs) As as much as I would have liked it to be Butt County, uh, it's actually Butte County.
0: I think I was kind of close on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So a couple of facts about uh, the campfire. It is the deadliest and most destructive fire in california history which is pretty crazy That's crazy man. Yeah. yeah and um if if by any means you can support that cause or whatever i i would suggest it because a lot of people lost a lot of stuff
0: in that yeah at least find that beer and buy it you know yeah
1: yeah definitely definitely, definitely you know
0: everyone can and, and
1: support yeah support your local breweries Um, buy that beer to help you know get some money out to that cause um, on top- on top of being california 's deadliest fire, it was also the sixth deadliest u s wildfire overall, which just shows that's you
2: pretty gnarly, the, the, man. the
1: scale of that yeah yeah that's insane <clears throat> um, so uh moving on to some uh fun facts about bass fun um, facts. yeah yeah, fun fact time uh so we have the lifespan of a bass uh they average about sixteen years in the wild. 16 year in old in the
0: wild, man. Yeah, yeah which, which is, is pretty, pretty crazy. crazy.
1: Yep. And the max recorded overall length of a bass was 29 and a half inches. Okay. So we're talking, what, two and a half feet pretty much? Yeah. That's that's a pretty well, big fish. Actually,
0: now that you say that, that's pretty big. Yeah. 29 <laughs> inches. Yeah. That's the longest, or that's the max? That's the longest recorded. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That is pretty long. That's scary big. If I saw that fish swim, I'd freak out. Oh, easily! Yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's that's definitely bigger than the uh, the biggest fish that you can catch in Ocarina of Time fishing game. <laughs> yes, yes, clearly. Uh, <clears throat> and that that guy was big. You know? <laughs> uh, so, um, I looked up a couple world record catches, and the world record for the biggest largemouth bass was set by a Japanese man, Menubu. I'm not sure about the pronunciation, Karita. In 2009, and the fish was caught on Lake Biwa in Japan. Okay, um, 22 pounds, five ounces, 29 inches long. Huge. That's that that's uh, a slaunch right that's there. a launch. That's that's the badonkus launch. <clears throat> um, the previous record was a 22 pound four ounce largemouth caught by George Perry on Montgomery Lake in Georgia in. 1932. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little bit of a lag
0: between yeah, uh, world records discrepancy there. discrepancy, too, maybe. Maybe <laughs> yeah. some exaggeration. Who yeah, knows? Who, who
1: knows about what record keeping was like in 1932. I don't know. But uh, some local records for us, anyways. We got Massachusetts and New Hampshire. So Massachusetts was set um, 15 pounds, 8 ounces on Samson Pond by Walter Bolanis. Great name, by the way, <laughs> in 1975. Uh, Where and, is
2: Samson Pond?
1: I don't know. I actually probably could have looked that up, but there's so many ponds. Right. In, in yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd never heard of it, but, you know, shout out to Samson Pond. And, uh, and Walter Balanis, if he's still with us. <laughs> 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 um, n- New Hampshire record is uh, 10 pounds, 8 ounces, and it was caught on Lake Potanipo by, I didn't get a first name, but initial g and uh <clears throat> last name bull pit mm. yes g good old
0: Bullpit. g bull pit, uh, uh,
1: bull pit yes bull pit. in 1967 <clears throat> and, uh, continuing with the bass fun facts they grow approximately an average of one pound a year and the oldest bass caught was estimated to be 19 years old damn yeah old, old bass a pig baby that's that is a pig and speaking of pigs james has something to say about pigs
0: i said pigs a lot in that episode i don't know if i'm gonna apologize or not but it was a lot and i was like damn i said pig a lot but hey i didn't know about slaunches i didn't know about badonkadons or pigs so i'm just calling them pigs baby yeah that was it i guess right
1: yeah so um i said squanch at the end uh, instead of slaunch, I think I was thinking about squanchy a little too squanchy. much but little
2: squanchy squanchy
1: yeah. yeah yeah that's it so uh, thanks for listening guys and another um, big thanks to
0: Josh Definitely. for coming on the episode yeah he, he was, a, was awesome yeah he was great um, first guest seemed yeah. like it went pretty good hope you guys enjoy it um, don't forget to rate us we need some ratings know how we're doing subscribe follow share we got a Facebook post thing up now come and follow that if you can find us but yeah thanks yeah Alright guys, peace, adios. Sausage
4: Candles.